Transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas, you are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hey, plant friends. Thank you for joining me again here in my little backyard out on the patio. I am just sitting out here really, really enjoying these awesome, cool temperatures that we got. I mean, here it is, late September. We got a cold front that pushed through, and the temperatures have just been so amazing. I love it. They're not, they're cool, but they're not cold. And they're still nice and warm, but not crazy hot. And it's just like the perfect balance. It's awesome. I guess it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. I mean, it is officially fall now. We've passed the autumnal equinox. And I got to say, it's officially the best planting season here in Central Texas because we can plant pretty much everything now. And it's the perfect time we're planting trees, shrubs, perennial plants, because all of those plants need a little bit of time to get established because right when you plant plants, they want to get their root systems established and planting in the fall gives them time to develop a nice strong root system when it's relatively cool, but before it they go dormant over the winter. And then when they come back in the springtime, they have plenty of time to focus on the stems and the leaves and the flowers because their root systems already have a nice foothold. Okay, so if you guys caught last week's show, I said I was going to, um, I was planning to devote this entire show talking about planting wildflowers because if you want spring wildflowers, you got to plant before Thanksgiving and all those pretty spring, um, spring flowers like blue bonnets and red corn poppies, orange paintbrush plants, Mexican hats, cone flowers, horse mint, wine cups, all of those, they gotta be like hitting the ground this fall. Okay. So some of y'all might relate to, um, this maybe, it, it never fails for me. It's something I seem to do just way, way too often. I forget to plant something until it's too late. Really, I think there's probably only one year where I actually planted red corn poppy seeds in the fall when I was supposed to. I don't know what's... I'm not, I'm not sure what's wrong with me, but... Usually what happens is I either buy the seed and then forget to plant them or I just completely forget to buy any at all and it really never fails that sometime in the spring I'll be in Georgetown, Texas for something and I'll notice that someone's garden is just 
covered in beautiful red corn poppies and I'm just like, oh my God. Uh, yeah, I was going to plant those, but I forgot. And it's so stupid and so ridiculous because you really would think that I would remember to plant one of my all-time favorite flowers, but I don't know. It's a new year. Maybe I'll get them planted. I already have the seed. I know just the right spot, so I don't know. Wish me luck. Lots of these spring blooming wildflowers, I gotta say, they don't transplant well. And you're not gonna find a whole lot of variety of wildflower transplants at the nurseries either because they just don't transplant well. Um, they really want to be started from seed. And some plants just don't want to have the roots disturbed. Once they are in the dirt, they just want to stay in the dirt and it seems to be pretty true for a lot of our Texas spring wildflowers. Blue bonnet transplants aren't really too hard to find. You might find a few of the herbaceous wildflowers as transplants but those are few and far between. Now personally I think the blue bonnet transplants are kind of expensive to I mean, I guess what I'm really trying to say is that they aren't as good of value as buying blue bonnet seeds. And that's because individually, one wildflower plant will put out a really pretty flower. But it's just one. But it's when you have multiple plants, like hundreds and hundreds of plants, that's when you get a really spectacular scene. And that's what we really all want. We want tons and tons and tons of wildflowers. And the only truly affordable way to get them is to plant seed. Because, I mean, you could easily spend like five or six or more dollars just to buy one blue bonnet plant at the grocery store or the nursery. But for the same amount, you could get like 150 or 200 blue bonnet seeds. Now, transplants really do save time and they are much more likely to be successful, but one blue bonnet plant that you picked up at the store is just one plant. And one or two plants is not gonna give you a really super impressive display um, along the lines of what you would see on the roadsides, but it is still really fun to have them. So maybe you have just a space for one or two, then go ahead, get the blue bonnet transplant. That's cool. But you know, just know that they aren't going to bloom continuously. Um, you know, nothing like the summer annuals like marigold, zinnias, or petunias. Just like all other plants, wildflowers need the right conditions to grow. And having a pretty little wildflower patch isn't as simple as just taking that packet of seeds and opening it up and sprinkling it into the grass. I mean, you might get lucky and have something wonderful pop up. Um, 
that's just a really casual approach and it rarely results in anything amazing at least not in a predictable or reliable way but with just a little bit of effort you can have a nice little wildflower patch in your yard but you have to get started in the fall now that we're at the tail end of september it's really the perfect time to figure out where you want to grow your wildflower patch when it comes to wildflowers Site selection might be the most important thing. You want to find a spot that gets full sun, and that means like six to eight hours of direct sunlight. Once you find a spot that gets good full sun, make sure that it's well draining. If it's a spot that stays soggier than other parts of the yard after like a rain or if it's soggy from some sort of other runoff situation, like a gutter downspout, then you don't wanna choose that spot for your spring wildflowers. Those moist areas seem like a really good place to plant things, and that's true for a lot of plants, but not wildflowers. They just don't like to have soggy roots, and they just won't grow like how we want them to. So look for a spot that is in full sun and it drains well. Here in Taylor, here in our part of Central Texas, that shouldn't be too terribly challenging at all. We have pretty good um, situations for wildflowers. Now, if you live in town, if you live in an older neighborhood, those are gonna be more likely to have well-established trees and really not enough sunlight. Um, so that could be an issue in certain spots in your yard, but any spot that you know that gets a good six to eight hours of sun and it isn't a swampy, wet mess, that's going to be a good spot for your wildflowers. If you have a little more property to work with and, I don't know, maybe you have like a nice big oversized lot one thing that you will want to consider is water. I know I just talked about how you don't want them to be too wet. Um, that's true. We don't want them um, to get too much water, but they will need some water, especially when you first um, toss out your wildflower seeds and get them germinated and growing throughout the fall and the winter. We tend to really associate drought with the summertime, you know, when we have that relentless and blazing hot sun and just weeks and weeks of no rainfall. You know, here in Central Texas, we can actually have fall and winter drought conditions. It really can happen. And you just got to remember that even though it's not like that really hot, hot summertime. It's been a little while for us since we had a decent amount of rain, but right now we're pretty fortunate because we don't, we're not in, in a drought situation right now. So water really is an important consideration for wildflower seeds. If we don't get some decent rain, are you going to be able to water your wildflowers or will the hose reach that far? Um, I've actually done that, um, made that mistake a few times. 
Um, like I've planted things just too far away from the water source and my hose isn't long enough and I've got to stand there and put my thumb over the end of the hose and like try to spray like this really nice arch of water to get over to the plants that need water. Um, it's really kind of dumb. <laughs> um, that's not really the best way to water plants, but it's effective. It's still a little fun and it's probably okay to do, I guess. It's just, um, if, you have, if you're really, really trying hard to plant something, um, you need to take how you're going to water them into consideration too. And it counts for wildflowers too. If you've been in Central Texas a while, you've probably noticed the spring wildflowers um, over the years and are able to compare them from year to year and realize that, oh, this is a good year. Or maybe somebody's mentioned it to you if you haven't noticed. Well, a good year with wildflowers with lots and lots of flowers is a good indication that we have gotten a decent amount of rain during the fall and winter. Another thing to think about when looking for a place for your wildflower patches, what else is growing there and what isn't? If not much is growing in that spot, then it probably isn't going to be the best spot for your wildflowers you can make it into a good spot to um, grow things but it's going to take some time to transform heavily compacted soil or areas with poor soil aren't going to make the best wildflower patch you can go ahead and work the soil and add extras like compost and mulch but it won't be an instant um, fix and you might not get the results that you envision, at least not that first year. But if it's a nice patch with some happy plants, and, I, and I'll say weeds can actually be happy plants, then it can be a good spot for wildflowers. But with wildflowers, they do not like competition. They really cannot be bothered to grow if there are more assertive plants around plants like turf grasses and that's really all that we we have in our yards turf grasses are very aggressive when they are happy and established they will grow into thick dense mats and with a just a decent amount of attention like watering and grooming them, like mowing them and weeding and all that, you can have a really nice lawn. But you're not going to be able to grow anything else in it. And delicate wildflower seeds just aren't going to be able to come in contact with the soil because of that dense, thick turf grass. Bermuda, St. Augustine, Zoysia, they can grow so thick that they will suffocate out other plants. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you're enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out all the shows and the music coming out of our little station here broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, um, go over to wherever you get your podcasts, like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and 
subscribe to the Pod on Host podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and be sure to leave a review. This will help others find the show and downloading Plow and Hose episodes helps provide me with some statistics so I know how the show is going. Let's get back to those wildflowers. Um, now, lawns and wildflowers don't exactly go together. All of those pretty wildflowers that you see growing along the side of the road, they look like they're growing in the grass. And they are actually. They just aren't growing in the traditional short blade turf grasses like we um, have in our yards. The grasses that you see growing with the wildflowers, those are native grasses. And these grasses grow differently because they're different varieties. Traditional turf grasses that we grow for our yards at home, they grow thick and dense, um, kind of like a, a mat. They typically send out runners that spread horizontally and then they send up short little blades of grass that don't get particularly tall. There are some mat forming native grasses like buffalo grass, but they don't get near as thick or dense like St. Augustine. The native grasses tend to be more sparse and they don't form those mats, like really tightly woven mats. And this is uh, this allows the wildflower seeds to drop down and touch the uh, touch the soil, and that's how they grow. The mat forming native grasses only get to be like six to eight um, inches tall, and they're not tall enough to really shade out young wildflowers. Other grasses like little blue stem and side oak grandma, those guys grow in clumps. Other plants like wildflowers are able to grow between the clumps. And since these clumping grasses grow taller, they can actually help hold up taller and lankier wildflowers like coneflowers and sunflowers. Native grasses really don't compete with native wildflowers, they actually complement them. Now, just because we live in town or we don't really have a large enough space to put in a native wildflower meadow, it doesn't mean that we just um, can't have some nice wildflowers. We just gotta plan things a little bit differently. If you have an existing flower bed or raised bed that you want to use, um, yeah, for sure, go for it. Use it. Wildflower seeds don't need grass, um, and they, they don't have to grow in a meadow either. Just clear up your bed and put out your seeds. It's really a great option if you don't plan on growing anything over the fall or the winter. When it comes to wildflowers, there aren't any rules about... Um, how you grow things. Um, you know, you have your vegetable people and your raised bed people, but if you're not gonna be growing like winter crops, then why not go ahead and put some wildflowers in there? I mean, go for it. It's, it could be kind of cool and fun. If you are planning to use those beds, then 
you're going to have to come up with um, another plan and that's totally cool too. Just make sure that your spot for your wildflowers is a well-draining spot and it's in full sun. Again, you don't have to have like a really formal space because that's like part of the charm of wildflowers. They are just really beautiful um, wherever they grow and they're just really pretty and charming either in a defined intentional space or left unattended. It just really depends on what your goals are. Wildflowers can be grown in the lawn. That's totally fine if you have some space in your yard that is the perfect spot for that. Just really lower your expectations because you can't have a whole lot of wildflowers and a nice thick lush lawn. Wildflowers generally are one of two types of plants, either annuals or perennials. Annuals grow, flower, and set seed in one season. Annuals don't come back year after year. They spend all of their energy growing, blooming, and making seeds. Once they form seeds, they slow down on the blooming, and then they drop their seed and those plants die. Those seeds will make brand new plants next year, and they just kind of keep repeating that cycle year after year. Perennials, on the other hand, they come back every year from the same plant. Most of our Texas spring wildflowers, like blue bonnets, they're going to be annuals. If you have a well-established lawn and you want wildflowers, you just got to be okay with tearing up the grass and allowing wildflowers to grow until they set seed and die. And once they die, that's really not the prettiest part of having a wildflower patch, but if you want your patch to reseed and naturalize, you have to let the seed pods m mature before you mow over them or yank them out of the ground. When they are dry, you can leave them or um, you can collect some to like save next year or maybe share with somebody else that likes plants. If you leave them on the plants though, they will eventually dry out and split open and the seeds will fall out on their own. You don't really have to let them reseed, but you won't get new plants. You can always pull up the plants when they do um, get ugly and plan on redoing your patch um, every fall and starting over with brand new seeds that you buy. Once you decide where to put your wildflower patch and if it's part of your lawn space, you'll need to remove some of that grass. You can use like a rototiller and run it through the grass and just tear it all up. What you want to do is break up that dense, thick grass so that you can make some room for your wildflower seeds to grow. You only need uh, to dig down an inch or two, just deep enough to expose the soil, and then rake up all that grass mess and haul it off to your compost pile. A tiller, honestly, really isn't, necessarily, uh, isn't necessary to remove the grass. It just makes it easier to get the grass up, especially if you're planning on a large wildflower patch. 
You can use um, just a shovel and then scalp off the grass. Sod has a pretty shallow root system, so it's not too terrible to dig out with a shovel if that's um, all you have, it's, that's fine. After you do get the grass dug up, you're just about ready to put out your seeds. You're gonna wanna do a little research on the seeds before you plant them. Mainly what you wanna figure out is how much seed to buy and how deep they need to be planted. Most of the time, the seed packet will tell you the spacing and the planting information. But from my experience, get more seed than you think you'll need. So if you think you need one packet of seed and that's gonna be enough to cover the area, just go ahead, spend the extra $2 and get another packet. If uh, your wildflower patch is fairly large, you might have to do some measuring and calculate how much you need. For larger areas, you're gonna wanna buy in bulk and you can buy bulk seeds by the ounce or by the pound or pounds. For me, it's always better to put out a little bit more. Not all the seeds are going to germinate. And if you happen to get a mass quantity of little baby seedlings pop up way, 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 way more than you expected, you can always thin them out at that time. It's just harder to, you know, once you start seeing the seedlings pop up and you realize that you didn't really put enough in, uh, yeah, it's a little too late at that point. Some wildflower seeds are gonna be very, very tiny and it's gonna be a little hard to spread evenly, but to make it easier, you can mix the seeds in with some sand and then you can put the sand and the seeds in a broadcast spreader and then spread them over your bed. A broadcast spreader looks kind of like a handheld like grain hopper or some sort of grinder. You just put the material in the top and then you start turning that handle and then the material kind of funnels down into it and then it slings out the seeds up out of the bottom and it does it like in a really uniform um, manner. They do um, a really good job of spreading material evenly but you don't have to buy a broadcast spreader if you don't want one. You can just use your hand and toss the seed and the sand out into your bed Another idea is if you have an old Parmesan shaker or one of those um, big spice shakers that's empty, you could always use that too. Any shaker with large holes will help you distribute your seeds more evenly. Once you have all your seeds spread out in your bed, you're going to want to press the seeds down into the ground. You don't want to necessarily cover them up with a whole bunch of extra dirt, but you do want the seeds to be firmly in contact with the soil. And this is really important because the seeds are gonna get water and nutrients from the ground. And you wanna have really good contact between the seed and the soil. And to get this uh, good contact, all you have to do is gently walk over um, the, seed, the seeds your weight is gonna be enough pressure to tamp down the seeds and you'll be able to make really good seed to soil contact. Once you get them kind of tamped down, water your seeds with a fine sprinkler. 
but be very, very gentle with it because you don't want to overdo that initial watering because you could wash, dislodge your um, seeds and wash them away or push them down where, you, where it's not even anymore. You just want to really get the ground moist. And then you just got to be patient. Um, some seeds, like red corn poppies, those will germinate in less than two weeks. Others, they like to take their sweet time. And you practically have to just give up all hope on them before they actually germinate. <clears throat> some plants like um, blue bonnets, they can take like 75 days to uh, germinate. And while I was looking through my um, seed catalog, um, I noticed that the orange paintbrush can take 120 days just to germinate. I don't know. That seems like pretty ridiculous to me, but... There's a whole lot of them in Central Texas, so I'm guessing that they have pretty viable seeds. Um, something I want to talk about with um, the blue bonnets. Blue bonnets are legumes, and they're related to beans and peas and even mimosa trees. And like all legumes, they help improve the soil because they are nitrogen fixers. Legumes work with the soil bacteria, and they're able to convert nitrogen from the air so they convert nitrogen gas into a form of nitrogen that the plants can actually use. And this is really great because nitrogen is a key plant nutrient and it's responsible for keeping leaves healthy and green. Blue bonnets and legumes have, a, have thick seed coats. So they really benefit from soaking overnight. So the night before you're ready to put plant your blue bonnet seeds, soak them in a bowl of water. This is going to soften that hard, slick outer seed coating. And that's going to help your um, blue bonnets germinate. And it may even actually speed up the process just a little bit. While you are waiting for those seedlings to pop up, if it hasn't rained, you can give them some water. For best results, you really should try to keep your new wildflower bed more on the moist side rather than the dry side, you know, just for about a month or so, four to six weeks. Nature, Mother Nature does not always provide enough rain, but you'll likely have more spring wildflowers if you help them out with a little bit of extra water. Once your new baby seedlings come up, and they're probably like an inch or two tall, you can start to cut back on the watering. Since you're planting native wildflowers, they really don't need much more once they get established. You're not going to have to fertilize them. They're going to be fine. They aren't going to put on any blossoms until the springtime. And if you pick a nice sunny location and they get well established that's all you really have to do now that said you could have some weeds that come up in your bed as I mentioned before wildflowers really don't like to compete with other plants especially um, more aggressive plants so once your seedlings start growing Check on your patch and pull out the weeds as you see them. 
Personally, I like wildflower patches that have one or two varieties only. I like seeing hundreds of the same flowers, so that's what I plant. I just love a big swath or a big punch of color. But if you're kind of limited on space or you want more continuous color, you could look into planting a mix, mixture of seeds. Just do a little research and figure out um, what you want out of a wildflower mix. Maybe you want to attract bees and butterflies to a patch, or maybe you want several different colors of the same plant. Just read the labels on the seed pack and, and see what you're getting. I really like to order from two seed companies. Both are fairly local companies, Wild Seed Farms and Native American Seed. Both are based in Central Texas. Wild Seed Farm is in Fredericksburg, out in the hill country, and Native American Seed is located in Junction, which is about an hour further on the other side of Fredericksburg. Both companies focus on native Texas wildflowers and they have really nice catalogs and um, they have nice seeds too. If you have an interest in conservation and ecology, the Native American seed catalog is a great resource. It's full of information, especially native grasses, and it does a really, really good job um, recommending seed for specific soil areas like what we have here in Taylor, we have that Blackland Prairie um, soil, or you know, on the other side of 35, where you're over in the Edwards Plateau, Native American Seed um, does a really good job of um, helping you figure out what's gonna grow best. Wildflower.org is also a great website for learning more about native plants. That's the website to the Ladybird Johnson Wildflower Center that's located in South Austin. It's a wonderful, wonderful garden, and it's just full of native plants and demonstration gardens. The Wildflower Center is really an amazing place to see in the springtime when the blue bonnets are blooming. It's a wonderful, wonderful place um, to visit pretty much any time of the year. And they just have um, an incredible um, children's garden. And it's so inspirational. And I love going out there. And every time um, I go out there, um, it makes me want to completely redo my entire garden. Um, I might have to um, put in a little trip over to Austin sometime soon. And just go check out um, the Wildflower Center again. Maybe get some different ideas that I can put in my yard. All right. Well, thank you all for joining me again today. Um, I hope you guys have a kick-ass week. Bye. <laughs>